accountants. It's time to make it count. My name is Freddie Bennett, former accounting industry executive turned entrepreneur, business owner, change maker, and Guinness world record holder. In each episode, we bring you the powerhouses from across the accounting world to help you discover how to unlock endless possibilities, turbocharge your accounting practice, and make it count in business and in life. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. Now, let's dive into another unmissable episode of Make It Count. Accountants, it is time to make it count. I'm Freddie Bennett, and today, folks, I have got a real treat for you. Yes, we are representing the UK. I am delighted to have Becky Ames, partner at one of my favourite UK accounting firms, Larkin Gowan. Becky, welcome to Make It Count. Hi, Freddie. Thank you very much for having me. And that's a great intro. Thank you. Well, that's fine. We've got to, we've got to represent the UK for this one. It was getting a bit too Definitely. New Zealand, this podcast. So um, so this is it. This is where the uh, where the Brits take over. We are taking over. That's very true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before we get too political immediately. Um, so, <laughs> Becky, for anyone that um, obviously we do have a big audience in, in the UK as well. But for anyone that hasn't heard of yourself or Larkin Gowan, tell us a bit about yourself. Certainly. So, um, as you said, I'm a partner at Larkin Gowan. We're chartered accountants and business advisors. And we're based in East Anglia. For anyone outside the UK, that's the lump that sort of sticks off the side of England. (laughs) Um, So, we we, uh, have offices that sort of go the length of that piece that sticks out. And uh, six offices, we're 27 partners now, about a 25 million turnover firms. In the league tables of accountants firms in, in England and Wales, we are um, mid-table. Mm. Um, so we're a medium-sized firm, which we love. We are independent, a partnership, and we we like being in, in that area because it means we can really offer a personal service to our clients, but we are full service. So we have everything within our firm from the owner management businesses that I look after. We can do all of their business and personal taxes, accounts, etc. But also we have specialist tax advisors within the business in all the areas. Uh, We have insolvency experts, we have corporate finance experts, we have the full range of services that any client might need. And then we are also part of Prime Global, which is an association of like-minded accountancy firms, both across the UK and the world, which gives us that breadth and stretch to be able to assist our um, clients, many of which have overseas interests, subsidiaries, um, you know, individuals who have overseas interests as well. So that really gives us that stretch whilst we maintain our fiercely independent status. So, yeah, it's a great place to be. Perfect. I love that. Fiercely independent as well. I think that's I mean, let, let's go there first before we go back to the beginning. I mean, how how important is independence for you as a firm and, and personally as well? It's really important. I've um, I've been at Larkin Gown a long time and I, I believe in what we do. I believe in how we do it. And, you know, if you're a partner in the business, you you have influence, you have a say. We still have whole partner meetings where we all sit there and debate issues, points. Um, we, we all have a vote. And I think it's been an interesting journey. There have been times where we've seen it could have gone in other directions and become something, part of something much bigger. And we, we decided that wasn't the route we wanted to go down. And, you know, there is, there is an element of we have a brand. We've been around for over 130 years. 
and we are well known in in our certainly in our geography and much further afield. But it, it's more about what it means to us and to our people and to our clients that we you know we do offer that full service, but they know that we're independent. We we don't have any underlying interests that are going to affect the advice or the service that we give them. This is us. This is how we are, and and they can count on what we do. Perfect. I I love that. I was about to to jump into song. Then what's the other song from the Greatest Showman? This is me. You can say this is us. <laughs> isn't, isn't quite the same for an accounting firm, but it's a similar sort of thing. It's the, it's the importance of being authentic, and as you say, being fiercely independent. Yeah. So Becky, let's go back to the beginning. Did you always have this childhood dream of being a partner at Larkin Gowan? Did you have like the the posters up on your walls of <laughs> chartered accountants, certificates, and everything else, or, or was the path a bit different? <laughs> No. So uh, I grew up in Essex. Um, I now live in Suffolk, which again, if, you, if you're in the UK, you'll know. But um, so still within East Anglia, but um, Essex girls have a certain connotation in the UK. There's lots of jokes about that, but it was a great place to grow up. My dad was an accountant. And as ever, when you're a child, you kind of look at your parents and, and you don't necessarily think you want to do what they do. And mm. I, I, I have a daughter who's 18 next month and she is adamant she would never do what I do. <laughs> Um, and actually, I don't think it would suit her. Age 15, I needed to do some work experience for a couple of weeks, as, as they do tend to in schools in the UK. And I did go into an accountant because I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And I, I did the two weeks and swore blind I was never going to go back into that environment again. Mm. So I <laughs> uh, did really well at school, did really well in GCSEs. They're the exams we do when you're 16 in the UK. Went to sixth form, had a great time. But A-levels do come at a tricky time because mm. you're sort of discovering the world, you're discovering social life and all that goes with that. So Definitely. I didn't do quite as well as planned in my A-levels. But um, I fell in love with law and I, uh, in my law A-levels. So I, I went off and did a law degree, not quite at the uh, aspirational university that I, I might have chosen if I'd actually done some work during my A-levels, but we got there. <laughs> so I did a law degree and... And the subject fascinated me and still does to this day. But partway through that, I thought, and this this is the standing joke, I thought, well, this is going to be hard work if I'm going to make a career out of this. You know, all the hours that I'm going to have to put in and um, maybe I don't think this is for me. And so life took a bit of a turn during my degree, uh, which I'll probably come back to because it's all part of what makes us and shapes us. But I finished my degree and decided I didn't want to pursue law, and and but I did want to get a professional qualification. And my dad sort of sat me down and said, "You know, accountancy is not a bad thing to get. You could you could go anywhere with that mm. chartered accountants." And so um, I, I applied and uh, got the got a training role at Larkin Gowan, which is where I still am. Mm. So that's 26 years ago. Joined as a graduate, went through the professional qualifications, and again, <laughs> didn't quite. Uh, commit to the work <laughs> ethic at the time <laughs> uh, my managing partner julie grimmer is uh, she's probably the only person in the firm who took longer to pass her exams than i did but we got there in the end and and again i think this stuff shapes you and it mm. makes you stronger and and you know what you are today so we kind of then just i just progressed and i i don't know i never really had a plan and this, this probably isn't what you want to promote to people coming into the profession, but I guess it's an example of you don't actually have to have a set plan mm. to still, you know, achieve good things and to get on. You can be, I will always say to, you know, my daughter, um, other people around her age, you don't need to know exactly what you're going to do. 
because you're going to work for an awfully long time. You're probably going to have more than one career. Mm. Um, you're probably going to have life throw an awful lot of stuff at you, um, which means you need to be agile. You need to be able to pivot. You need to be able to just have exit routes so that you can get off that mm. motorway if you want to. You don't feel like you have to stay on it. So, yeah, I think in later years, probably the last 10 years, I've been far more have more of a, of a plan about where I want to go. But that came fairly late for me. Mm. <laughs> I'm not a prime example of, you know, have a plan and go for it. It's kind of worked out okay. <laughs> and that's, that's what I love, Becky. And there's so much to, to unpack in that. But I think just to touch on the point of, of having no set plan. And yeah, that, that's something that, that I love. And I've had to learn to love it. I believe that life whether we like it or not, does involve some chaos. And sometimes we have to embrace chaos. We can't plan the backside off everything. But I do believe for for people in the accountant industry or people in the accounting industry, that is a, a difficult pill to swallow sometimes because we love plans and structure and everything that fits neatly in a spreadsheet and can involve ticking boxes and, and passing exams and everything else. And, and I think understanding that sometimes having no plan is is the right plan, is key. Um, and I wanted to, to take a drill down as well on one of the things you were saying. When when you were going through the exams and maybe things weren't quite uh, working out in terms of the results as you wanted, were there any moments when you were like, screw this, I'm out of here, I'm off to Bali, or I'm going to go and just yeah. join the circus, or whatever it is? Were there any moments when you thought, this just isn't going to happen for me. I don't know if I believe in fate. Um, I think you have to you have to make stuff happen in life. But equally, when I was resitting, so it used to be um, called intermediate and then finals. Well, that's what we called it anyway, the Chartered Accountancy back in the day. And at intermediate, I failed all four exams in the first sitting. Then I passed three, failed one. Mm. And I remember when I resat and, and then did pass the three, when I was waiting for my results, I was like, do you know what? If I fail these again, that's it. That's the decision made. That's the sign that I shouldn't be doing this. Mm. And then of course you pass three and fail one. And I think I failed by like 2%. Yeah. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> I can do this. And I kind of, now I've got to do it. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I am pretty stubborn. So mm. when I put my mind something that it will happen, it's just at the time I wasn't as focused as I should have been. Mm. And, um, you know, I made my life more difficult. I, uh, I'd moved back to, to Essex, but was traveling to Norfolk for, for work and, you know, trying to factor study into that as well. When you're traveling sort of two hours a day, it's not helpful. So I didn't make things easy for myself. I know. And, and, and again, it's those years, isn't it? Your early twenties where, where you, you're, you're working everything else out at the same time mm. and working and studying. I was hopeful at the time that, the, you know, the world would tell me whether it was the right or the wrong thing to do. Mm. But I stuck with it. And then in my finals, smashed them, you know, <laughs> first time straight through. And I love telling our trainees now, you know, you lot have it so easy. We did four three-hour exams in two, two days and then the case study on the third day and – you know, oh, it's much harder in our day. Mm. It, it really wasn't. <laughs> it was just different. But yeah, you know, knuckle down and you do it. Mm. I did swear I'd never sit another exam and I have stuck to that. That's I good. Have to say. That's a, a powerful <laughs> part, definitely. And, and I think it's, it's powerful as well that you've stayed at the same firm for so long as well. I'd love to, to explore that a bit because 
again, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but was, was that not a plan? Is it something that, that just happened? It did, it did just happen. Mm. And um, it, it's come about through a constant checking of myself of is this where I want to be and is this the right fit for me? And at every stage that I've asked that question, I've gone, yeah, I, I believe in what we're doing. I mean, 26 years, the accountancy profession has changed hugely. Mm. Larkin Gowan has changed hugely, you know, but you can see leadership changes. You can see different people come into roles and, and the direction that it's going. You know, I've, I've had some great role, role models, some great um, teachers along the way. I really have who've given me the space to to kind of develop my style. Mm. I'm very much about we are not boring accountants, Um you know, I fought against that from, from day one. I didn't want to be, although I did rock up in a grey suit on my first day, I must admit. <laughs> but <laughs> I certainly didn't want to be be like that. And and I think you, you find the people that you can really click with, that you, you know, you can really align with, don't you? And I, there's plenty of those in every walk of life, but certainly mm. found those at Larkin Gown, those like-minded people that, you know, allow you to, to sort of evolve and, and go along the way. The beauty of our firm is that we have a number of offices and have always had a number of offices, fewer now than we did have, but that provides opportunities to move around and and experience different leadership styles. Mm. So I did move around a fair amount. And every time, again, it wasn't a plan, but it was an opportunity that presented itself. Mm. And the thing that I've learned is that if you can go for something, you know, if you can make it work, then you should. You know, if you can factor that change into everything else in your life, then go for it. And a lot of the times it was a bit painful in terms of it, it wasn't the easy option. Mm. And uh, the fact that I was being asked to do the things I did often sort of came as a bit of a surprise to me. You know, we've acquired another firm. Can you go and work in that office to sort of bring them into larking gown processes, procedures, culture, etc., really help bring this all together? And, and initially I was like, oh, you know. Why me? But then I think other people saw in me what I perhaps didn't see in myself, mm. or that I just thought this is how this is how I am. I didn't think that that meant anything. It w- I didn't appreciate that I had necessarily particular skills that maybe others didn't. I do more now, and you know, I'm very much about different people bring different things to the table, and it's not so much stay in your lane, but it is you know be clear on what where your value lies mm. and, and make sure you're not trying to fit a mould um, that someone else has created and be proud of what you bring. You know, I know there are people in our business who are technically brilliant, far, you know, far better than I will ever be. But when it comes to dealing with people and talking, may well have noticed, <laughs> um, and engaging with people and building relationships, that is something I think I'm pretty good at. And, mm. you know, that's something we need more and more in the accounting profession. More and more it's based on relationships. Always has been, but I think the way it's going now, the advisory aspect is just so important. Mm. So, yeah, I think the, the firm is is a great firm and it, it's a traditional profession in lots of ways, isn't it? And I think we are at the forefront of driving change and attitudes are shifting and, and it's, yeah, I'm very proud of what we do. I love that. And I think that that pride absolutely comes out, Becky. And 
You make some some great points to kind of signpost us to, to the next area as well around the the shift to advisory. But but picking up on on something that you said, and it's something that I certainly agree with uh, in the accounting profession in particular, but also probably in the wider society that we sometimes don't recognise our greatness. And it's something that I see. I speak to a lot of accounting firms. It's something that I see a lot. People saying. Uh, I could never be a salesperson. I could never be an advisor. I'm just a bean counter. I'm I'm just a numbers person. I'm an introvert. We're so quick. And I, I say this from someone as being someone who was also like that for a long time. We seem so quick to put a label on ourselves yeah. and put ourselves in a box. And I think that makes it difficult for us to break free and, and take advantage of all these career opportunities. As you say, you could call it luck, you could call it fate, but we've said before on this podcast, it's very much about making your own luck as well. And yeah, and yeah that, that whole kind of like labeling ourselves and holding ourselves back, is, is that something you've seen? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, imposter syndrome, I read mm. about a lot. I, I understand I can see how how I have experienced that, how others have, if you want to label it in that way. But I think it's just a case of you need to find your people, your sort of people, mm. because then you will feed off them and you will bounce off them. And if you don't feel like you're in the right place and allowed to be yourself, you will never achieve what you are, you know, you, what you should be doing. Mm. And I think in the world of accounting, we're so quick to measure things that we can easily measure with numbers with KPIs, mm. with, you know, stats. So if you can't measure something in that way, sometimes we're a bit sort of like, oh, well, you know, we, we can't see what their billing is, what their chargeable time is. You know, it, it doesn't stack up. They're not at the top of the table. Even, you know, client gains, for example. And, and so that's something that I've really kind of had to challenge myself on, my worth in terms of I might not be the one billing the most or with the highest chargeable time but mm. what do I bring to the party and I firmly believe that what I do allows others to do that so mm. I think my role is to feed my team and to you know they're delivering great stuff and of course I get involved with client work but a lot more of my role now is as a, a leader um, I lead a fair chunk of the business um, about 10 million pounds worth of fees and and a lot of what I do is kind of you know steering that the strategy, leading a team that are driving the operations. So it's just about you kind of have to go, okay, it's not going to be as obvious what I bring to the table in terms of numbers. But I think as a business, certainly, and as a profession, we're recognising that those attributes are really important mm. and are, are going to work together with the, you know, the great fee earners, the great technical uh, people that we've got in our business and having all of those is is what matters definitely i love that and there's a there's a phrase that i'm sure i will uh as i usually do here i'll make it count get wrong but uh it's that whole if you judge a shark by its ability to climb a tree it will always be a failure and i think it's yeah. the same uh as someone else said to me you know if you take um four dare i say successful people like um you know, jk rowling arnold schwarzenegger barack obama and warren buffett if Warren Buffett had tried to take J.K. Rowling's route to success, he wouldn't have been very successful. If Arnold Schwarzenegger had tried to take Warren Buffett's route to success, he wouldn't have been successful. And I think, I mean, you mentioned being a leader, and I wanted to come on to the whole concept of what leadership means to you. And do you feel there is that element now that, that accounting is changing and evolving and, and role shift and we shift from compliance to advisory? Do you see part of your role as a leader is 
helping to direct people on on the right path for them. Yeah, definitely. You know, I get involved in a lot of recruitment and we're really looking for different skills now. Mm. Um, And that's challenging in itself because, uh, you know, without wanting to generalise too much, those sort of coming into the profession perhaps have, you know, they've had a period of sitting behind screens and they're very good at engaging using technology, but not so great at picking the phone up or having Mm. face-to-face conversations. So that's a real challenge as well. And So constantly promoting a culture where we talk and we communicate and we regularly, you know, we spend time together. Mm. My immediate team don't work from home very much at all. Not because I've said it at any stage. As a firm, we have entirely flexible working, mm. as, as many do. And obviously, through the pandemic, we had to do what we had to do. But, you know, my, t- my immediate team of about 15 have largely come back to the office full time. And I think it's because they... They're like me. They they need people around them to feed off. They need the buzz. They need the collaboration. But also, they get it. They get that we will succeed together, mm. um, and that you can achieve much more. And I think that's the piece that I really want to promote. And I don't I don't think my style of leadership is obvious in terms of I'm not going to stand up and preach and you know proclaim. Um, it's more about the doing and the day in the day out and and how we conduct ourselves. Um, being authentic, having integrity is massive for me. You know, Mm. I I need to be able to look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and go, did I, did I do okay? Did I do the right thing? Yeah, always. And I say that to the team, you know, it might be tough. It might be a difficult conversation. It might be somewhere we probably really feel uncomfortable about, but is it fundamentally the right thing to do? Mm. That's always the check for me. So all, all of that, yeah, absolutely recognizes that the technology, digitalization, all of that is giving us such opportunity, but we need the skills to be able to run with that both in, you know, we need the people who are great at that stuff, interrogating it, giving us the data. But if we can't communicate with our clients and each other, then then it's of no use. And mm. clients still want people. They absolutely want people. They want, you know, machines can't empathize. Mm. They can't ask the right questions. They can't pick up on those nuances. They can't understand in my my client base you know the family dynamic what the client really wants to achieve in their business what what's the aspiration what's the why and i think that that whole what's the why is i think it is so powerful because i think sometimes we we fall into traps as accounting firms of just thinking right what are our products what are our services is, is it tax yeah. is it estate planning is it cash flow forecasting is it this is it that and how it's almost that kind of like I'm going to throw, I'm going to like throwing mud at a wall. I'm going to throw all these things at a client and just see if any of them stick. Yeah. But if you can, as you, as you say, use that human element to really understand what their why is. Because I fully believe everyone has a why. It doesn't matter yeah. who they are, what they want to achieve, what they've done, what they've been through. We all have that why. And if you can decipher it, if you can decode it, then that just unlocks a whole load of client possibilities. Absolutely. And, and you know, if you do that part, you understand what gets them out of bed in the morning, what drives them, whether it's, you know, whether they're motivated, if they are motivated by money, whether they're motivated by wanting to provide something for the future, for the next generation, whatever it is, you can better advise them. You're not promoting services to them that they really don't need just because like you say it's a tick list of have we done this have we done this have we done this and so of course there's fundamental stuff that we want all clients to consider but it's about understanding them and where they're going and that's where we can really add value as accountants Mm. is just 
really getting under the skin and understanding that why, what motivates them. I love that. And I love the way you framed it as well, because in my head, me being the, the money grabbing salesman from the past, I was thinking you could better sell them. We could, you know, we could understand their why. I always believe you can understand where someone is and where they want to go. And if you can say, look, I've got the treasure map. I know where the landmines are. I know where the gold mines are. I can take you from A to B. Would you like to go on that journey? But you're right. It's not about the selling. It's about being able to better advise them. And one thing that I'm yeah. so passionate about is we all know that accountants feel that selling is a bit sleazy and a bit slimy and a bit awkward and everything else. And I think if, if people feel like that, it's because they're being awkward and slimy and persuasive and trying to convince. Yeah. But if you just think, as you said, how could I best advise this person? then that totally flips the perspective. Yeah. I, you know, I, I always say to a new client, uh, we won't try and sell you something you don't need. That's not the way I operate. Like I say, I need to look myself in the mirror at the end of the day, absolutely, mm. and believe that I've done the right thing. Because I've been at the firm so long, I've acted for some of my clients for a very long time, from mm. you know, before I was even qualified, some of them. And so it's great. You see them, you see them grow, you see them develop, you see the next generation come in. And you're part of what they're achieving. You're part of, of where they're going. And, you know, you, you've seen babies being, you know, come into the <laughs> mix and, and then they've grown Hopefully up. not literally in the office because that would be like a new carpet not, or something, not surely. Not literally, okay. but nearly, you know, <laughs> nearly, yeah. You feel like you're there, don't you? It's like yeah. the team. I'm kind of so invested. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. So, so, yeah, you're part of it. And, and um you know, the, I had a client the other day who I've acted for for over 20 years and he, he said, you just, you know too much about us, mm. <laughs> in a, you know, in a like a jokey way. And I was like, but, you know, that's great for me because it just interests me. But these people become, you know, such a big part of your life mm. that you, you would never, ever want to promote something that they don't need because they're just, that's just not the way we work. So, um, yeah, understanding them for however long the relationship's been, really. Mm. But um, those ones that really find the time as well to spend with you so that you can get to know them means that we're going to get so much more. Mm. Of course, there's compliance aspects we have to do. And some clients, that's what they want. And that's that's absolutely fine. Mm. Um, but for the others who who are willing and able to invest some time in, in, in what we can do with them, yeah, the rewards are there for both sides. It's great. That's amazing. And, and I'd love to, to get your opinion and the uh, maybe the Larkin Gowan opinion as well without breaking any uh, confidences. But certainly here in, in New Zealand, we see a lot of cases where accounting firms are actually trying to get rid of clients. So they say, let's have a let's try and cut the lowest 20 percent of clients, the, the pain in the ass, never pay their invoices, low fee clients and just focus on having a smaller number of high value client, I call them the star clients, the clients that we love yeah. to work with, that we have fun with, that pay high fees on time, ideally. Do you see potentially a shift towards that of say, actually, let's focus yeah. on, on maybe fewer clients, but making a bigger impact? Definitely, definitely. And I think um, with the way the profession's gone, you know, clients can do so much more if they're engaging with products like Zero, for example. Mm. They can get the fundamentals, can't they? If they're using it properly, and we'll help them do that. And that's great. Um, it's what we do with that that's important. And as I say, the ones who want a purely compliance service, you know, if they're willing to pay the fees and we are very transparent about our fees, then we can provide that service. But we're very clear that we might not be the best fit for some of those clients that are at the smaller end. Mm. And, and we will make introductions to other other firms of accountants that might be better suited for them. Mm. 
Um, and, you know, also every client is probably on a journey themselves in terms of their business. And, you know, we might not be right now, but we might be in the future. And you, you never want to shut that door, certainly. But in looking at what we've got currently, and we, we have been doing absolutely this exercise recently, Freddie, with my bit of the business that I lead in terms of, you know, you've got the, you've got the tangibles, the numbers that we know, obviously, you know, fees, recoveries, debt days, et cetera. Mm. But then it's overlaying it with the stuff that we know about our clients. You know, do they value what we do? Do they, you know, complain about every fee or are they like, yeah, we get it. Mm. You know, we really value you. Are they open to um, advisory? Do we enjoy working with them? If the phone rings or you get an email, are you like, you know, this is hard mm. work? Or are you like, yes, they're engaging with me. We're, we're moving this forward. Definitely. Do, do they want to meet? because <laughs> so many times that you know there are some that are like no just send me the accounts and you're like that's you know that's not really where we want to be yeah there's room for those I don't think for my team I don't think if we don't focus on the clients that are more interesting in inverted commas why why would they want to stay with me why would my team want to stay I want to give them work that they can really get their teeth into that will develop mm. them that will make them keep them interested it's about having that mix, you know, like anything, every team has different people in it as well. And um, some of them thrive on on the numbers and, and the compliance aspects and others are skilled in the, you know, the more advisory aspects. And we need all of that. Mm. I am certainly seeing a shift both in our firm and wider in terms of understanding where we can best add value, where we can use our people the best, because, you know, it's obvious to everyone that recruitment and retention continues to be challenging. Yeah. And and where the client is best serviced and having those open and honest conversations. Mm, absolutely. I think you say it's how we can best serve our clients. And I say taking the, not totally taking the finances out of it, obviously, but, but taking the whole like, I'm the accountant, they're the client, what are the fees? Taking the very mm. kind of like mechanics out of it and thinking, how can I best serve this person? I always say, if you fill your calendar with client service every single day, you never worry about revenue ever again. And I think that's, no. that's very much the case. Yeah, definitely. And you want to get up in the morning and look forward to what you're going to do, don't you, mm. as well? And, you know, again, it's what's your why. And if you get an absolute buzz out of getting zero to work properly and really drive the numbers and things like that, then fabulous. Mm. And if you get a buzz out of then taking that information out to the client or engaging with the client and saying on a timely basis, what are we going to do with this? Then that's great as well. And we need all those bits. We absolutely need all those bits. Um, Mm. And there's room for everybody. But I think people just need to appreciate that it doesn't just stop there. It's not just that compliance product anymore. We do not hide behind screens. Uh, You cannot come into this profession um, and just think you're going to sit at a desk and hide behind a screen. That is not the way. It's not the way it ever was, I don't think. But I think more so now it is moving far more to it's about people. Definitely. I love that. And I and you mentioned it there, Becky. So now I obviously have to drill deeper and ask you, as as one of 27 partners at a, a firm with <laughs> 25 million turnover, uh, as you say, you mentioned your your daughter, who's, who's around eighteen now. I have to ask you. So, what is your why? Oh, I just I love people. Actually, mm. it's it's really making a difference. It's being able to make a difference. I remember when I was um, I, I had ten years part time uh, because that was my choice in terms of bringing my daughter up, and and a few times other partners spoke to me about becoming a partner, and I was like, <laughs> mm, I don't think that's for me. Mm. I was, you know, again, didn't have the plan. 
And then um, our current managing partner, she wasn't then, but she said to me, don't you want to make a difference? And I was like, well, I can. And she's like, but you could make so much more. Mm. And, and again, we've changed. I've been a partner eight years and now our teams are far more um, engaged and, and have far more ability to, to innovate and get involved in the direction of the business. And that's what I say about the firm has moved forward so fast. But I like being part of something. I like feeling part of a gang. I like feeling part of something that's moving in the right direction mm. that I have some influence in and ultimately driving the business for the benefit of the great people that we, you know, a lot of our trainees stay with us. I'm not unusual in terms of how long I've been at the firm. There are lots of people that have been there throughout their careers. And I think it's because of how we do things Mm. and how we're willing to change as well. We're not stuck with how, you know, this is how we've always done it. And, And I love that. I love change when it's, it's, you know, for good reasons. Mm. None of us want to live in a constant state of flux. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't want to change things just for the sake of it, but I do want people to think about how can we be better? How can we be moving this forwards? So, yeah, it's challenging. I need challenge. Mm. I think I want an easier life sometimes. (laughs) We all do, don't we? But I love that. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice to just get to the bottom of the to-do list? And then I think, no, because if I did that, I'd be like, well, what am I going to do now? Exactly. I was speaking to someone about this quite recently and I was giving it the whole, okay, like here in New Zealand, we talk a lot about time freedom, money freedom and mindset freedom. And I was giving it the whole kind of, oh, I want it to be easy. I want it to stop being challenging. And someone said to me like, with all due respect, that's bullshit. Like they were saying, like yeah. if if you weren't challenged, you'd be bored. We all have that wonderful fantasy yeah. of the, the the cocktails on the beaches and everything. But I think the sooner we lead into who we are and say, actually, if I'm really honest with myself, if I'm really honest about what is my why, is that truly what I want? And I think a growing number of us are realizing that actually we thrive on challenge, and challenge is something we we seek, and hopefully in our lives we will we will always enjoy a uh, a level of challenge so we say maybe not an absolute nightmare every day but um but certainly that <laughs> that that situation that allows us to prove to ourselves that we are capable of more than we expect yeah absolutely and i think you, you know you mentioned my daughter she's coming up to it she's going off to uni in september just finished a level she's gonna have the best summer of her life the next three months she absolutely is my wife, but I mm. think, you know, sometimes as a parent, you beat yourself up about spending a lot of hours at work. There's no getting away from it. Being a partner is more than a full-time job. Mm. And for the first year of partnership, I was still part-time, so sort of four-fifths, but in reality, that doesn't happen, Yeah, of course. But, you know, you have all good intentions, don't you? And, <laughs> you know, talking to her now as a near adult, you, you have... Yeah, we do talk about it. And and she she's wanted to have a part-time job as soon as she could get one because I just think that the stuff that you worry you haven't been there for, you've given them so much other stuff in space in mm. terms of work ethic and setting an example of how to overcome challenges and that life isn't easy and it's never going to be easy. And if you build resilience, you're better able to deal with this stuff. And, you know, we're really open as a family about, you know, challenge both personal and professional and how – admitting that sometimes we need some time out. Mm. We need to press pause and go, do you know what? I just can't do this for now, but I'll be back. Um, mm. Or, you know, and, and all of those experience build and, and teach you that you can do more than you probably thought, actually. You know, there's stuff that I've dealt with that I look back and go, 
if someone had said to me, you're going to do that, mm. I would have gone, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't, I won't be able to do that. My, my dad died 11 years ago and he was, he was my hero, you know, mm. And if someone had said to me, uh, he's going to be diagnosed with bowel cancer and nine weeks later he'll die. And in that intervening period, you will you will be there. You will care for him and you will be there when he dies and you will be okay. Mm. I'd have gone, there is not a chance in hell I can do that. But you do it because that's what you do. And then you come out the other side. And, of course, you know, it takes a very long time and it never goes away. And you, you go through that roller coaster and there's good times and bad times. But it teaches you so much that um, everyone's dealing with stuff, aren't they? Mm. I remember when I was <laughs> when I was 20 and uh, I had a really bad car accident in the third year of my degree and I remember saying to my mum, oh, why me? Mm. Why does stuff always happen to us? And she was like, you need to look around. Everyone's got stuff, mm. you know. It's just at the moment this feels like the worst thing ever, but you'll you'll come back from this. And, and I did. So... There's stuff that teaches us along the way that we use, and I think if we embrace it and we and we use it positively, it absolutely makes us stronger for the next thing. I absolutely love that, and I think that that strength in adversity is is so powerful. And thank you for sharing that as well, Becky. And this is one little almost throwaway comment that that you said that I think is such a powerful <laughs> reminder that it it is going to be okay. And yeah. we can get so caught up in the moment of the client meeting that didn't go well or that the exam we didn't ace or something in our career or our personal lives or whatever it is. And it's so tempting at the time just to catastrophize it and just think life is never going to be great ever again. I'm never going to get over this. But we always do. We always find a way to move on and it will always be OK. Yeah. And it also gives you context, doesn't it? What mm. we do is very important in terms of, you know, accountancy, um, advisory. We can make a real difference for our clients. Occasionally it doesn't go as we would have liked. Mm. And people in my team will often, you know, really take it very hard, particularly if they, you know, it's the first big mistake that's happened. Take it really hard. And we're like, okay, we learn from it, we move on. And they're like, oh, I'm like, nobody died. Okay. Mm. There is, let's put this in context. <laughs> We can deal with it. We just need to be honest and open and, and, and come up with a plan and engage with the client, et cetera. And sometimes it's just, it's not nice, is it? It's a mm. hard lesson to learn. But what we do is very important. I'm not saying it's not at all, but in the great scheme of things, you do have to keep things in context because otherwise you just, you will drown. Yeah. And, and it will weigh on you too much. So I think... Yeah, it's all about balance. It's all about context. And it's about taking strengths from those things to drive you forwards. Absolutely. I, I absolutely love that, Becky. I think that's a wonderful way to uh, to bring things to a close. What a, a powerful and inspirational message. But um, obviously, as you know, the tradition of the show is the secret question where the previous guest does ask a question of a future guest. So I have your secret question here. Um, and we may have covered it, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see where we go with this one. So your secret question is, was there any one moment or experience that was a turning point in your career, either good or bad? Um, in my career, yeah, there was actually in terms of, <laughs> it, it, it sounds like not a lot, but it's really stuck with me. And um, a partner said to me probably five years ago, Becky, not everyone thinks like you. 
and um that has that has just stuck with me it's like my check Mm. because I think it's very easy to think that because I think this is the right way to go it is the right way to go and you know why doesn't everyone think like me and and she she was absolutely right you have to stop and think and that has just been so powerful for me about how do I you can believe that what you're doing is absolutely the right thing, but if you can't get people on the journey with you, then you're screwed. Mm. And so you have to engage with people of different ways of thinking, different different values, different experiences, and, and either, you know, persuade them of your direction or, you know, more likely take on board their <laughs> views and, and possibly, as we said at the outset, you know, just be agile and pivot slightly with your plan. But, you know, it, it doesn't sound like a biggie, but it's really been big for me. Mm. Of course, there's been other things. You know, when my, when my dad died, I I saw the team step up for me in ways that I didn't, I never appreciated work colleagues would. Mm. And that was before I was a partner. And that taught me an awful lot as well. And it also taught me to show if you let people see you're vulnerable, you will get so much more out of them. Mm. If you put up this hard facade you know, a female in quite a tough profession, quite a traditional profession, often think that you've got to be one of the boys to get on kind of thing. And I'm mm. not, you know, I'm not in shipping or logistics or something, which are probably far more male orientated than, than accountancy. And so we take in more females now than we do males mm. as trainees, which is an interesting, <laughs> when you look at the stats, it's exciting. But yeah, I think, you know, you kind of had this, what you thought you needed to be. Um, and if you let that go a little bit, then you, it's amazing what you get out of people. The flip side of that is, of course, as a leader, you need to choose your mood because your mood is their mood kind of thing. And you need to present yourself and, and everything's okay. And it's all right, we've got this. So there's a fine balance to be had. But if you find a safe place and people to be safe with, then I think showing vulnerability is really important. But yeah, not everyone thinks like you. <laughs> Powerful. It's a good good mantra to have. That is definitely a a great sentence to live by and to uh, to excel in our careers by as well. Becky, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on Make It Count. I've loved this conversation. We have to get you back for uh, for a part two. It's an excuse for me to travel to the UK and uh, and take Make It Count on the road. That's what yes. uh, that's what it is. It's here. Road trip. That's what it's going to be all around the country. Me and my microphone. That's, <laughs> Sounds great. I know. I don't know if the world <laughs> is ready for me going on tour yet, but we'll uh, we'll get there. Um, so, Becky, if anyone's been listening to this and they want to get in touch with yourself or get in touch with Larkin Gowan, how do they find you? Uh, so obviously via our website, like larking-gowan.co.uk and uh, my emails, all my details, I guess you'll put in your show notes, but I'm yes. on LinkedIn. Ames is A-M-E-S. People tend to spend it every, spell it every way possible. But yeah. yeah, I'd be really happy to, you know, talk about any of the stuff we've talked about. But we've also got our own podcast where uh, we, we talk about leadership and life, Mark Curtis and I. So that's great fun. And if people want to look that up, they'll find out more about what we're about as well. Definitely. I've and as someone who's been on your podcast a couple of times, I can absolutely yeah. say it's uh, it's an amazing show and you guys are, are doing amazing things. Uh, in the podcast world and in the accounting and advisory world as well. So, Becky, it's been a pleasure having you here on Make It Count, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode informed, educated, motivated, and inspired you to make it count for your clients and your business. 
Make sure you check out the show notes of this episode for the all important links. Please hit subscribe, share it with the world, and don't forget to give us a five-star review. We love getting feedback on this show, and I'd love to hear which part resonated with you the most. Remember, you have got the skills, talent, expertise, and experience to make a huge difference in the lives and businesses of your clients. The days of the bean counter are over. It's time to make it count. I'll see you on the other side.